patient with us while yeah. I had my infant child who's yeah. still an infant I mean you pushed out a baby <laughs> actually you should give um everyone a quick I know birth quick story could update. go oh, yeah. long but like give them a quick little birth thing because you got to have a v-back that's right yeah so um yeah this you can't see her but this is Nora May um she came on August 1st, which is like, I don't know why I think that's such a sweet birthday, but I do. It's a good day. It's a good day. Although I was like, her golden birthday is going to be when she's one, which is kind of a bummer because she's not going to remember it, but also kind of fun. It's also great. It'll be fine. Do you guys do golden birthdays? Um, I was 23 and I don't remember what I did. Because of drinking? No, (laughs) I just, I don't remember it being special. Oh, okay. So in our family, we do golden birthdays. I was five. My uncle got married on my birthday. I'm still pissed about it. Whatever. Hers will be when she's one, which I think is kind of fun. Anyways, yeah, so I had a C-section with Aiden, which was honestly hell. And now I can totally compare it and be like, yeah, that's that was the worst. It just took so long to recover. And I remember even just like my, getting my body back, like just feeling like myself again took until almost till he was done nursing to feel like normal again and I feel great like yeah so great I was like up walking around we got discharged from the birth center four hours after she came like we were home like that's insane it was awesome so yeah I like started active labor at 11 p.m and she was born at 6 30 the next morning yeah you know we were supposed to podcast And I was like texting Brooke. I was like, I don't feel good. I was like, girl, are you in labor? Are you in labor? Are you in labor? And then she like wouldn't respond. I was being super evasive because with Aiden, I was in labor for like three days and people were like messaging me the whole time. And like, I didn't want to have to like, I didn't want to tell people I was in labor and then be like, just kidding. I'm not. So, cause I was having contractions all day mm-hmm. the day before the 31st of July. Yeah. And so I was like having contractions, but they weren't intense. It was just like, these could be Braxton Hicks. So I didn't want to tell anyone or like freak anyone out. And I went in to see my midwife and she was like, well, you're definitely in labor. Like you're out of three, you're getting there just slowly. So she swept my membranes and then from then like it just went. And that was painful. So painful. Yeah. That was, I so mean. So if anybody has the option. I could not believe how painful it was. But you said that it helped you a lot. Oh, yeah. It was worth it? It was worth the pain? Yes, okay. totally. Oh, it was like 30 seconds. Oh, okay. So it was really fast. But it was like, I mean, oh. her whole hand was up there sweeping up. Sweeping oh. all the things. Oh, <laughs> gosh. But then from then on, things like rapidly picked up. And yeah. I Tell mean, them your favorite later. line in the... Because, <laughs> you know, we can swear on this podcast. We can, we're allowed to swear. This is ours. Little Nora will just have to close her ears. She's nursing. It's fine. <sighs> um, so I, with any of you who've had a C-section, I had a C-section because I was failure to progress is what they labeled me. So I never got past a six. And so um, when the nurse or when the midwife checked me and I got to a nine, I was so excited that I said, thank you, fucking Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I was so elated. Like, that was oh. like, I mean, obviously, when she was born and put on my chest, that was like a the huge best, moment. Yeah. But that I was at a nine and like had gotten there all by myself. Like, I felt so good. And I was like, I cannot believe. 
Because when you have a C-section because of failure to progress, in mentally you're like, okay, well, clearly there's something wrong with my body. Or like, yeah, like why didn't it happen? Yes. Is this going to happen again? Yeah. Totally. And to go from a literal, I started labor on Friday night with Aiden and had him Monday morning. Ugh. To go from that labor to basically a seven-hour labor is mind She did it. Me. No medications, guys. <laughs> like, All wow. natural. Yeah. That's... I mean, props to you. I have to say, people are like, like all online, it's like, no gold medals, we're doing it without medication. And like, there's not, I don't know, like just people that are against it. But all I keep saying is I'm literally just that big of a control freak. Yeah. I don't yeah, like I not think being it's great. in control. I mean, I love the drugs so much. I'll never not do it. <laughs> I'll never go back. I'll never go back. That is the cool thing about like birth and stuff. So you get to do it so... the way you want to do it, you exactly, know? And yeah. Um, yeah, I think in general, like, for me, too, I was thinking, gosh, if I just don't have a C-section, the yeah. recovery is great, so I don't care about the drugs. Like, for right. me, that just wasn't, like, an important thing for yeah. me. And you were like, I had gone through the C-section. I had gone through all of this. Right. I just want a completely different birth experience, so I'm just glad you guys got it. And, oh, my gosh, me, too. And it's been, I mean, life-changing. Yeah. <laughs> like, honestly, it's such a big difference. And, like, for those of you who chose to have a C-section, because there are, you know, moms out there that do that... It's different. Like, I was laboring for three days, hadn't eaten, hadn't slept, and then had a C-section. So my recovery, I think, took longer. Like, it was unexpected. I was planning for a natural birth, ended up with a C-section. Like, so many things just went off course for Mm -hmm. me. So I had a lot of, like, mental, like, I don't know, anguish with it. Versus, like, now I had my birth plan. I mean, I had planned to do a water birth, and there wasn't enough time to fill up the water. And, like, I, yeah, so I was like, no, it's that fine. Like, I'm cool. at a nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, certain things kind of went off track, but not yeah. really that bad. Really? Yeah. Really? You're just pulling off? Okay. If you hear little baby cues, Yay. that's little Miss Nora. Ashton's not here with us today. He has a cough, and oh. I did not want to get her sick. I mean, Thank he you. feels great. Like, yeah. no fever. He's just... Oh, that's good. But it's just in the middle of the night, he's like... <laughs> And yeah, I don't need his daycare germs here. Yeah, thank you. I yeah, we appreciate that here, yeah. especially because my son's not in daycare right now. So mm-hmm. to bring all those germs back. Although we did go to soccer yesterday and saw a lot of his daycare friends. Yay! Which was really did he fun. win? Or I guess did well, they I win and lose they at that score. age? Yeah, they don't uh, really like, keep score. I okay. mean, he had three goals. Oh wow! Yeah. So in That's that respect, awesome. he totally won. He in going into the game, he was like, "I'm gonna get a hat trick." First of all, didn't know my three year old knew what a hat trick was. Yeah. Thank I you, Dad, do. for watching soccer all the time. Yeah. yeah, it's three goals. So he was super pumped. Oh, I didn't. Three. I thought it was something else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't watch soccer. I no, know nothing. It's uh, getting three goals in a game. So he did. So that was fun. Wow. Okay. So that was a little life update. <laughs> life update. Yeah, we should do a whole, you know what I think we should do, and we have not talked about this. We should do a whole podcast about, um, we've, we did do a podcast on postpartum. Yeah. And, like postpartum body image and that kind of stuff. Right. So definitely listen to that if you haven't. But I think we really need to do one on mental health after yeah. having a baby. Oh, so postpartum sure. depression and anxiety, I think we need to definitely touch on. And um, just like we should do a whole episode about you in your VBAC. Yeah. Just because be cool. there might be moms out there who want a VBAC, VBAC and yeah. um, so that would be cool. And I'm like 100% pro VBAC now. Yeah. So. And you can talk about natural birth because like for me, yeah. that's not what I wanted, but there are so many people out there that do. And I think that's not something that you can like just jump into and be yeah. like, I'm just going to have 
a natural birth. Like, I'm eight months pregnant. I think that sounds like a good idea. Like, no, you cannot do that. Like, you have There's to prep some good for preparation. it. Yeah, yeah, so you should talk all about that. I did all the things. So yeah, I think that you should talk about that. Ensure the best that I could that I got the birth that I wanted. Yeah. And I did, but obviously there are some things out of your control. But yeah, we could totally do that. Mm-hmm. So let us know if you want to hear that. We yeah. might record it anyways. We're going to record no it does. anyways. Yeah, so we'll do one on C-section. This podcast is for us. <laughs> yeah, or uh, VBAC and natural birth. That'll be one podcast. And yeah. then we're going to do one on postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression. That would be really good. Because mm-hmm. I feel like even for me, it's been night and day already. I mean, she's only three weeks old. But yeah. like still, it's already been night and day. So I would love to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, but today we're going to talk about... Yes. We're going to talk about Weight Watchers, but not specifically Weight Watchers. Right. We are going to talk about Weight Watchers, their new app called Kerbo. Kerbo. And it K-U-R-B-O, targets... K-U-R-B-O, right, I think? Uh, K-U-R-B-O. Yeah. Yep. It targets <sighs> children. Children. So we're a little more concerned about this versus Weight Watchers than right. targeting adults. Than like dumb old Weight Watchers that everyone has heard of before. <laughs> we should, we will do we'll, an episode on We that. will do a whole episode on Because we got Watchers. some thoughts for sure. But um, so right now, if you guys have no idea, Kerbo was an app that was um, launched by Weight Watchers to target children. And it was created by a mom, actually, who had a son who was considered obese by like mm-hmm. the doctor or whatever. I forget how old he was. I should have written that down. But anyways, um... So basically this app came out and for those of you in the community of like nutrition, like if there's any dietitians out there, RDs to be or whatever, or just nutritionist people who are in the health field, it like polarized the community. I feel like. Wow. Right? Yeah. Like I've yes. seen more posts about Kerbo and more like articles written about Kerbo than any other diet so quickly. Or like, an app. Yeah. I've yeah, never app. had. Yeah, for sure. I've never seen so much backlash, but I think right. it's for good reason. Yeah. I think we totally agree with the backlash, but, um, it's So scary. let's talk about what it is. Ooh. Yeah. So it's an app that basically kids are supposed to use on their phones or iPads or whatever to, um, kind of track what they're eating and what types of foods they are. And then the app will spit out basically if it's a red light, green light, or yellow light food. So it uses this like traffic light system mm-hmm. of if they're basically green is good, green is red good food, is bad, yeah. yellow's like okay food, like moderate food. So they give you based on like your height, your weight, your age. Um, I don't even think you like put any, any clinical information about like health issues that I've seen. I know. I think it's just based on like height and weight. Yeah. And age. Yeah. Yeah. And like, they basically tell you how many red lights you can have a week, red light foods. So like, for example, a donut is considered a red light food. Um, yellow foods, for example, grains are like rice is considered a yellow light food. And then greens you're allowed to have as much as you want. And so basically kids would enter what they ate during the day. And then it would tell them how many of each types of foods they had and how many more they have for the week. So like, Red light food. It's essentially Weight Watchers. It's, for, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. using this like traffic light Instead system. Instead of points. Right. No points, no calorie counting, but basically like limit these foods, moderation on these foods, and then you can eat these foods as much as you want. But I watched a dietitian go through it like on her Instagram stories. I wish oh, I remembered who it was. To, it. I know. Yeah, we should, I'm the worst. I need to write stuff down. <laughs> yeah. We should plug her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically she went through it on her stories. And it was, like, the weirdest foods were, like, supposed to be, like, in moderation. And she was, like, are you kidding me? Like, these are healthy food choices for kids. Like, cheese. Like, one of them was cheese. And it was, like, I mean, to make it a green food versus a yellow food versus a red food. Like, 
who makes that determination? No dietitians. There's they don't hire any dietitians for mm-hmm. Weight Watchers, by the way. I know. So that's a big deal. So who's making these choices on what foods are good and bad, mm-hmm. red and green, you know? Well, there's so many things wrong with it. First yeah. off, it's aiming for kids between the ages of 8 and 17. 8, you guys. 8. 8. Not that 17 is good, but like freaking 8-year-olds. That's what, like eight. second grade? I have no idea. It's Third It's grade? too young. I mean, we just have to think, at what 8-year-old really needs to be learning, like... I mean, yes, we should teach our kids nutrition basics. Fruit and vegetables are good foods. They give us energy. Um, You know, soda gives us cavities and doesn't make our (laughs) tummies feel good. Like, there's basic things that we can teach our kids. Yeah. But telling them that certain foods are good, certain foods are bad, you're only allowed to do a certain amount per week. I mean, that is a diet mentality. And, and like, ingraining that into an 8-year-old's head is just going to um, help the eating disorders. I mean, it's yeah. just going to help in, increase eating disorders. So I think I looked it up and it was like 90% of eating disorders start in their tween and teen years. Mm-hmm. So then you give them, you put an app like this in their hands where all of a sudden they're looking at foods as good and bad and monitoring them and paying attention strictly to what they're eating and basically giving them this control. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> she's so cute. I can't edit that out, girl. Okay. You're basically giving them all this control that they shouldn't have, you know, um, at a very young age. So it's really just going to exacerbate that that feeling of needing control and worrying about what they're eating. And especially when you start playing that into like their, um, their body image, like, oh my gosh, how just sad is that, that you look at like a 14 year old girl who's perfectly healthy and maybe just is in the middle of puberty, mm-hmm. literally in the middle of puberty and telling her that she's too fat or too overweight or she's obese, she needs to lose weight. I mean, first of all, she's not even at her like adult size yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's literally, and this is like something that you can watch all your kids go through that they all grow out and then up and then out and mm-hmm. then up and then out and then up. So like a lot of these, have you seen the before and afters on Curva? I stopped. I had to stop. Like, I, I was getting. Up. I yeah. was getting too sick. They literally it. have like eight-year-olds where they have before and afters of using this app. First of all, they freaking hit puberty, so of course there's a before. Like you can do a before and after of a kid, not on any controlling right. diet, and they're gonna look totally different because of freaking puberty. But also, like, how sad is that that we're already teaching such young kids these before and after, which is all just body image. It has nothing to do with internalized health or mental compensation, like knowing, understanding how food works in our body or how mm-hmm. minerals and vitamins are needed. I mean, none of that. It's We're not educating kids nothing. on, yeah, that food is energy and, you know, certain foods give us more energy and, you know, help us grow. And I mean, just basic things that we should be teaching kids. Um, it's not, and it's, it's teaching kids that weight is the most important indicator. Totally. So it's not, it's showing like before and after pictures and getting on the scale. And it's like, you're teaching kids that your health is not important. It's yeah. the number on the scale is important. And how you look in a photo. And how you look in a photo is the most important thing. And it's like, that is not the best indicator of health. Right. Um, the other thing I really, really hate about it is, um, kids need to gain weight. Right. Between mm-hmm. the ages of 18 and 17. Do we do we want our seventeen year olds to weigh what an eight year old should? Right, exactly. Like no, no, we want we our want kids nine to year grow. olds to lose weight. No, do we want um do we want ten year olds to stop growing? Right. I mean, what like 
I just don't understand right. the concept. And everyone's just throwing around, well, childhood obesity is an issue. Childhood yeah. obesity is an issue. Guess what? The child is not grocery shopping. The child is mm-hmm. not um, making really any food choices. Right. I mean, it's it's the parents. Yeah. So why are we telling, shaming children? Mm-hmm. We are shaming eight-year-olds. And I just, God, I just think about uh, a, a family where maybe they have a kid who hit puberty and is tall. Mm-hmm. And so they're considered normal weight. Mm-hmm. And then they have a kid who has not hit puberty yet. And maybe they're short and they weigh a little bit more than the other kid does. Yeah. Guess what? That parent's going to say, oh, you, John, you're fat. You need to go on this diet. You need to get this app. But your big brother, who's gone through puberty and is right. tall... Um, and maybe has a fast metabolism. Yeah. Um, we don't know. There's differences in everybody. Oh, but John doesn't. John can eat whatever. Or uh, Dan. I don't know. I'm gonna, I whatever don't know where names are. But like. These damn kids. Dan can eat whatever he wants because he's skinny. But you, you're on a diet. Yeah. So now we're telling kids that the family can eat whatever the hell they want. Mm-hmm. But the fat kid has to eat um, a certain amount of food. I mean. A, like what does that do to somebody's mental health? Yeah. You're outcasted. You're shamed. Yeah. I mean. Oh my gosh, I just think about these poor kids and like how they're being treated. And um, even one of my friends was like, well, we have to combat childhood obesity and dietitians still counsel kids. And I'm like, listen, like dietitians should not be putting kids on diets yeah. um, unless you have a food allergy. Right. And you know, that's something you need to or follow. like a medical condition. A medical condition. Yeah. But we need to be, if a child is overweight or unhealthy or... I mean, there are ways to approach a family as a whole. Yes. Hey, always. mom and dad, let's try to bring our kids to the farmer's market. Yeah. Hey, mom and dad, let's cook more foods at home instead of going out to eat. Hey, Encourage mom and dad. activity, you know. Yeah. yeah. How about you guys all go for a walk or right. go for a bike ride, do something as a family. Yeah. Hey, mom and dad, how about we try cooking some foods that have fruits and vegetables yeah. and have more colors. And I setting mean, a good example. I mean, Setting an example, yes. How many children do you really know that are eating, you know, a diet full of like play, junk food, whatever, and their parents eat 100% like organic, healthy, leafy greens. You know, it's like, it, no, typically the kid's eating exactly what your parents are eating, at least in in within reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously school lunches and going over to friends' houses affect it too. But like within reason, they're eating what you're eating. So setting a good example, showing them what kind of, you know, giving them a variety of different foods so that they can learn what they like too and make recommendations for themselves and make those choices for themselves. But there's so many things, but you're right. It's a family approach. It's not looking at these kids, definitely not commenting on their body size, shape, Mm -hmm. how their body's developing, because everyone develops so different. And it literally, (laughs) it doesn't even necessarily dictate what you're going to be as a full-grown adult. Like I said, like you grow out and then up and then out and then up. Or, you know, there's lots of different, or some people just shoot straight up and then they take forever to fill out. So it's Mm -hmm. like, everyone's so different. It's so hormonal. And to shame someone on their body size at one point in their life, taking a snapshot is so, I mean, anytime shaming them on their body size, but still you're looking at literally a tiny little snapshot of their life and it's judging them on it and then forcing them into an unhealthy mental diet mentality. And like we've talked about before on this podcast, doing that whole, you know, restrict binge diet cycle of this is going to happen to our eight-year-olds. You're starting Mm -hmm. an eight-year-old who's already thinking that, oh, my body doesn't look right. My mom's telling me to download this app, so I must be, you know, Something's wrong with me. Something's wrong with me. I must restrict these red foods, and then they start to go crazy, and, oh, I'm going to restrict these 
these yellow foods too. I'm only going to eat green foods. I'm only going to eat celery all week. And then they binge and then they feel bad about themselves and then they start to restrict again. Mm -hmm. That's so, and it's sad for anyone to go through that, but think of these poor little kids. Yeah, it's not. Okay. It's not going to be a healthy thing long-term. It's not teaching them anything. Well, okay. I'm sorry. Do diets work for adults? No. No. So why would we think that extreme dieting or even like this diet mindset and mentality, if it's not working for adults, why are we putting kids through this? Exactly. It's not going to work for a kid. It's so true. And I mean, I know people that have done Weight Watchers and yeah, maybe they did lose weight a little bit initially, Mm -hmm. but unless they're making true lifestyle changes, um, they're not keeping the weight off. And again, this is, so this app and Weight Watchers both, but like, the app is free. However, getting nutritional counseling from a nutritionist costs Not a dietitian. Money. Not a dietitian, but it costs money. Are you kidding? Yeah, I think it's like <laughs> $60 so a month or something. Oh, I didn't look at it. But it's like, so like then that. they download the app and they don't want to spend the money on the counseling. So they're getting no education. They don't understand why a certain food is considered a red food. And it's completely, again, and this is every diet, it's looking at one individual that represents the whole diet and making these recommendations based on that ideal person. It's not taking into account how everyone's different. Everyone's in a different part of their, you know, puberty or hormones or, you know, part of their life, stage of their life, stage of development, how much they're working out. You know, what if they're in full-time sports or what if they're in no sports? It's the same. It doesn't matter right. for these kids. So it's like, it's not taking in any of their individual practices you know at all so it's or food preferences and it's so sad because everyone's an individual everyone's going to respond to different foods differently and as parents that's our responsibility to teach them and to show them and to expose them to all these different foods so that they learn Mm -hmm. my son just the other day (laughs) I gave him candy (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it was like this bag of um sour patch watermelons Oh. Is that what they're called? I Sour... Don't know. Sour Patch Kids? Yeah, Sour Patch Kids, the oh. watermelon kind. My husband got me for, for my birthday. And I was sharing them with Aiden. And he goes, Mom, I'm only going to have three more because I think if I eat any more, my belly's going to start to hurt. He comes up with that wow. all on his own That's because so I don't tell him, Oh, your belly's going to hurt. You're going to get sick. I don't like ram that into his head. But I do have to say, I expose him to all feelings that I have around food. Uh So when I'm eating something and he goes, mom, why aren't you having more? I tell him, oh, my belly's full. It's telling me I'm all full. So I'm going to stop eating. So I tell him that. Or if I've eaten too much candy, I tell Mm -hmm. him, oh, I kind of feel sick because I think I ate too much candy. So I tell him these things, positive and negative reactions to food, so that he can then say, oh, yeah, let me check in with my stomach. I have him check in with his stomach all the time. Mm-hmm. All the time I go, well, what does your belly say? Are you still hungry? Are you all full? Like, how are you feeling? And he, like, can really sit there and go, hmm, let me check. And so sometimes he ignores the cues because he wants more candy or he wants more yeah. whatever. Yeah, we all do. Pancakes, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. They're just like us. <laughs> they're just like us. Celebrities, they're just like us. Okay. So, I mean, I tell him all those things kind of as I'm going through my intuitive eating journey so that he can then learn, you know, why mom has stopped eating. I'm not stopping eating because I don't want to gain weight. You know, I'm stopping eating because I'm full and I can save this for later. And he says that all the time, too. He goes, I'm going to save this for later. And it's so cute because he can come up with that and he's freaking three. (laughs) So. Yeah. It's incredible. I did think it was interesting, so I looked at a few articles defending the app. Oh, okay. Which I thought was interesting, because I was like, okay, I have my views. Yeah, clearly <laughs> you and I against are going to... Yeah. So I should look up kind of the opposing argument. Right. Which is all BS anyways. But yeah. I looked it up. 
apps go props to me so a lot of the apps we're talking about the research that's out there supporting tracking your foods uh-huh. however now my rebuttal for tracking foods is yes so if your result is to lose weight mm-hmm. and you track your foods yes the research is there to support that you will lose weight if you're tracking your foods However, the second you stop tracking your foods, it slowly becomes something where you start to gain back that weight that you lost. And then the research supports that anytime you are dieting or restricting, you end up gaining more weight than what you had initially lost. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at long-term effects or long-term, you know, goals on quote unquote, your weight or whatever you're looking for to be your success or failure, it's going to be a failure if that's what you're looking at weight because that's what all the research shows is not only that yes it does work in the interim once you stop tracking you gain the weight back <laughs> so well, for these kids yeah. that's what's going to happen and then they're going to feel like failures well and kids need to gain weight and that's the thing right. is so there are adults out there like when we're an adult do we need to be gaining five pounds a year right you know for growth no we don't right. as children though like our kids need to be gaining weight right Mm -hmm. until they're in a full grown adult they need to be gaining weight and they need to be growing taller yeah so by us setting the example as an adult of mom and dad can't gain weight Mm -hmm. mom gained five pounds she's bad mom needs to go on a diet because she gained five pounds now we're sending that mindset to our children that if you gain weight it's shameful if you gain weight it's bad if you gain weight you need to go on a diet Right. Children need to gain weight. And again, yes, there are some kids out there who gain weight very rapidly due to, you know, inactivity, due to drinking soda all day. I mean, there are things that kids are doing that um, are habits that we definitely can work on. But it's, again, it's a family thing. Like when I worked at WIC, I had some patients um, and some clients who would come in and their kid would gain 15 pounds in a year. And I was like, hey, you know what's going on with this child? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, he's gaining weight, which is great, but he's gaining weight a little quickly. Like what's, what's your day look like at home? Yeah. And mom and dad say, Oh, well he wants Mountain Dew. So we give it to him. He's, he's like three years old. No joke. Mountain Dew. And he, so he gives it to him and he only um, wants chicken nuggets. So we only give him chicken nuggets. And I'm like, okay, well, are we cooking is the whole family eating chicken nuggets every day or is right. it just John just or whatever? John. I don't know why I keep going to John. Um, is it just John that's eating chicken nuggets? And it's like, oh, no. Well, John is the only one that eats chicken nuggets every day because he throws a fit. Mm-hmm. But all my other kids they and me, we eat what, you know, the family eats. And it's like, okay, well, here's the issue. Like, we need to be feeding our kids what we're eating. And we need to be setting good examples as mm-hmm. parents. Are we perfect? No. Are we going to splurge on different food items and things that probably won't make us feel great every once in a while. Absolutely. But we, um, that's, that's the issue that I found a lot at my last job was just that the kiddo was dictating, um, just by throwing a tantrum that they were getting their way. And it's like at three, it is hard for, I mean, Aiden is definitely like understanding more than most kids, but I think because of the way you talk to him, but, Mm -hmm. um, if you're not talking to your kid about that, like, a three-year-old typically isn't going to like really pay attention to yeah. how soda makes them feel or right. how sugar makes them feel. Like they might just how be a respond. crazy kid yeah. who has, you know, um, ups and downs and they can't sleep and, you know, there might be other things going on with their behavior right. that's due to it. But the parent, you know, the kid, the kid doesn't know that. Right. Like, oh, the sugar is making me crash and now I'm, <laughs> 
crazy and throwing tantrums. The parents are just like, oh, my kid must be crazy. They're throwing a tantrum. She's never made this much noise when she slept before. Ashton does that a lot now. It's so funny. Yeah, so, and I think going back, and I think we've mentioned this before in another podcast, but that Ellen Satter division of responsibility Mm -hmm. where you, if you're the parent, and I'm assuming most of you are, but if you're the parent, you get to choose what is served, when it's served, and um, what's the other one? What, when... The kid determines how much. Yeah. Yeah. What, when, and where. And then the kid determines if and how much. Uh-huh. So if you serve, let's say, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, some watermelon, and a string cheese, hint, hint, that's what we had for lunch today for Aiden, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, and yogurt, they get to decide what of those foods that they eat and how much of it they eat. Now, in the instance of my son wanting literally five yogurts, I told him, okay, this is your last yogurt. If you're still hungry, you need to eat the other food on your plate. Yeah. And that that was my cutoff. I got to decide that. And then he can have more yogurt another day. Mm-hmm. So, and that, sometimes I let him have, you know, however much he wants of whatever that food is, as long as I know. Because you're looking at kids as a whole, not each individual meal, but like over the week or over mm-hmm. the day or, you know, in the last 24 hours or whatnot, what they're eating. But with Aiden, he chose to not eat the string cheese at all. That's his choice. I don't Mm -hmm. scold him because of it. I don't make him finish his meal before he leaves. That was his choice. Now, in other days, he's had two or three string cheeses. And kids, like, just like adults, kids make up for it. They really do. If they go an entire meal and they're like, I'm just not hungry. Guess what? Sometimes we skip meals because we're not hungry. I skipped dinner last night because (laughs) I ate a ginormous burger at lunch and I was so incredibly full. That ginormous burger sounds so good. Oh, it was so good. And we got <laughs> truffle fries. Ooh. We ate so much, though, and I was like, I felt ill the right. rest of the day. And I was like, I, I'm going to throw up if I put anything else in my mouth. And that's what you find with kids. Seriously, with Aiden, like, we'll go days where he's, I, I'm not even kidding you, he's had before, in one sitting, five bananas and two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> and I'm like... Who I can't Who even eat that much food. Yeah. Could you imagine eating five bananas? No, I would throw up. I, if I have right. one full banana, the texture gets to me. And I, I like <laughs> That's true. Puke. I remember that about you. Yeah. I literally, I don't think you could pay me enough to eat five bananas, just bananas. And he had two peanut butter jellies. But then other times he'll go and he'll have like a bite of something and then be like, I'm done or whatever. And then I'll make stir fry and he'll eat an entire plate of stir fry. Or the other day he had three tacos. Three wow. tacos. That's I don't even eat three tacos. So it's like. Oh, I do. Well, I have. You will now that you're breastfeeding oh, again. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <gasps> I have for sure. I'm just saying like in that sitting, I yeah. only had two. He had three and he's three years old. So they'll make up for it. I mean, trust me, if you look over a week, yeah. kids are not starving. So if you give them food and they say they don't like it, I always recommend at least putting one thing on their plate. You know that they've liked in the past mm-hmm. or that they'll eat. But then giving them that option of saying, no, I don't want to eat that. That's okay right. as long as they know, okay, well, you're going to go to bed, and if you're hungry, I'm sorry, you should have had more dinner. Right. And or we can what? put it in the fridge for we you, can and put if it you the, want it yeah. later, you can have it later. But then guess what? Dinner comes around the next day, and if they're not wanting it, you can just remind them, hey, do you remember yesterday you didn't eat your dinner and you're kind of hungry um, at bedtime? I'm just letting you know there's no snacks. You're not pushing them to eat. You're not telling them they right. have to eat. But they know, and they're three, they're old enough to understand, oh, this is going to happen to me again. So if I want to eat food so I don't feel hungry, I should eat what mom mm-hmm. has given me. You're in control of what foods are presented, what foods are brought into the house, what foods you're buying at the grocery store. And absolutely, sometimes Aiden will ask for mac and cheese or candy or something, and I'll say something like, oh, not with lunch today, but I'll put that on the menu for later this week. Or, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll pick that up next time I'm at the store. A, half the time he forgets. Exactly. B, I was gonna half say. the time I forget. Yeah. <laughs> But then sometimes I get it, and it's fine for him to have yeah. 
Mac and cheese. Mac and cheese or yeah. Oh gosh. Every once in a while. We're having it for dinner with a brisket. (laughs) Yeah, we're doing a full southern meal. Um, The other thing I like with kids is like I don't like pushing them at every meal to like you have to eat try everything on your plate. But I think if it's a new food, I think we really do need to say, hey, it's okay if you didn't like it last time. Let's try it again today. Let's try a bite. Taste the flavor. If you don't like it, that's it. That's totally Then fine. we'll try yeah. it again another time because kids do need to try certain foods. Like, right. what is it, 10, 20 times? 20 Bef- times before they accept like, it as, like, a food. Yeah. yeah so, like. like, string cheese, for instance. You don't want the string cheese today. He's eaten it so much in his life that yeah. you know, like, okay, he'll eat it another day. I'm not right. worried about it. But if it was a brand new food, yeah. you know, parents, like, do push your kids to at least taste it yeah if they don't like it they can spit it out right yeah i mean at yeah. least they, they get the flavor in their mouth and they and try with aiden it. too like literally if he tries something and he goes i don't like it i literally support him and i say oh that's okay sometimes i don't like things but then you know what it's so weird other days i really like that food and i cannot tell you how many times he's spit that back at me before where he's like eating something and he goes mom the other day i didn't like tacos but today i really like tacos he'll say that and yeah. it's like that's his choice and that's how we feel too that's using intuitive eating that's saying hey today a donut sounds really good so i'm gonna eat it but tomorrow it's okay if a donut doesn't sound good or whatever's Mm -hmm. in front of you you know so it's yeah it's teaching them that they have control over if they're gonna eat it and how much of it they're gonna eat off their plate and giving them the words and like being able to communicate to you this doesn't taste good to me or my son will say this is too spicy so then i know okay, next time I make this, you know, salsa or whatever, I'm going to make it less spicy so he likes it. And honestly, like, they learn so quickly, you know, and they, they if, do. if you give them the words to communicate it, they're going to communicate it to you, you know, three and up. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. say a two-year-old would do that or my baby infant. But yeah, so that was, um, sorry, so going back to the research that supported it, the other thing they said, too, that was basically using this, like, traffic light system works really well with people and with um, children as well. So I don't know if many of you have noticed maybe near you restaurants use the traffic light system where they'll put like a green light, yellow light, red light next to it or um, in like written in colors of calories. They'll write it as like a green, like 500 calories is like a green. And then if it's like 1200 calories, it'll be a red or whatnot. So they'll use those systems. So a lot of research has come out using the traffic light system just because it's embedded in us to know what those traffic lights mean when we're driving, that then we can easily correlate that to food or easily correlate that to controlling something else. You know, even with kids, we play red light, green light, you know, (laughs) they know what that means. They know yellow means slow down on this food. They know red means, hey, stop eating this food. You should not be eating this food. And they know green means go. So the research they said to support that. However, I then again argue Mm -hmm. (laughs) that yes, if you're looking for weight loss or weight stabilization or weight maintenance as your success, quote unquote, then sure, I agree with you. It works. Do I think it's a healthy mentality long-term for children? Absolutely not. Yeah. So I found another dietitian who said that, um, with the red light, green light, um, she was like going through different foods that were, labeled um as like unhealthy or red oh yeah like chia seeds yes nut butters yogurt cashews carrot juice dates raisins peanut butter avocado yeah applesauce which you know some applesauce has a lot of sugar in it but some don't right um so apparently those are like 
not healthy foods all of yeah. a sudden. So we're teaching kids that like they shouldn't have some fruits and some vegetables and like peanut butter. I mean, yeah. what is happening? Right. I mean, it's just, it's so sad. And it's like, you're basically taking our innate want for whole foods and turning it on its head like, oh, wait, but nuts aren't good for me or dried fruit isn't good for me. And you start to like believe things <laughs> that are inaccurate. And then you're it's literally telling you to turn off the signals of your own body telling you what to eat and instead pay attention to what Kerbo the app is telling you, who doesn't know who you are, doesn't mm-hmm. know what you like or dislike, doesn't know your body proportions in consideration with your whole family history or where you're at in puberty or anything like that. And it's basically telling you to ignore all your instincts yeah, and learn yeah. that nut butters are bad for you. Olives was the other one that was on there that was a oh bad gosh, food. Olives are the best. Yeah, olives are a great food. Yeah, it's so. just, um, I think even the dietitians who are really freaked out the most are eating disorder dietitians and yes. people who work in that field specifically. I think they're just so scared for the next generation totally. coming up because when we're giving a kid a cell phone, at that age of eight Mm -hmm. and we are allowing them to look up whatever they want and we're allowing them to track their foods on their own on this app without an adult really supervising anything. It's like we are just like promoting these kids to get eating disorders someday. And giving them seriously no nutritional education like nut butter, you know, so let's say almond butter is on their red list. Okay. So you look at almond butter being on this red list, and now this kid is ingrained in their brain that this is a red food. I should be limiting it. I should be restricting it. When really, it's a really healthy option. So then later in life, they're going to have these connotations about almond butter or nut butter that are completely incorrect, and they're going to have to fight against that for the rest of their life. they're mentally, I mean, well, it's like you or I, like, we grew up kind of you know, learning mm-hmm. like soda's bad for you. Or, yeah. Well, I don't know. There's like certain foods that we were all like really pushed. Like right. for me, it was, we didn't have soda in the house. It yeah. was like a very special treat. And now I don't, you know, I don't really drink it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I even catch myself sometimes where I'm like looking at it and I'm like, oh man, this is, I cannot have this. It's not good for me. And mm-hmm. I know that there is no nutritional benefit to me. I know it's right. not going to give me, there's no benefit to me drinking it. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't know. It's just like sometimes you want it and it's Sometimes fine. I want an and, ice cold Coke and for my soul. Yeah. And, and you know what? If you have it every once in a while, it's, it's fine. Right. But getting over that mental like hurdle of, yeah. oh, I can have it every once in a while. Right. And allowing yourself, you know, to be able to eat certain foods. I think a really good example when I was a kid, we weren't allowed to have sugared cereal in the house. We weren't either. Yeah. It was a big Cheerios. deal. Yeah. yeah. We could not have sugared cereal. So like Lucky Charms. Yep. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, <laughs> look at the way that, that she was reacts. the best. <laughs> yeah, so all these sugared cereals we weren't allowed to have. So what did I do when I went over to my friend's house? Binged. And had sugared cereal. Same here. Binged. Oh, I had it the hard. night before our sleepover. I was eating it directly out of the box. Yes. The morning of, I was like, "Can I have the sugar cereal for breakfast?" Sure. She sure. said, "Yes, I can yes. totally do it." And I would like dump them all in my bowl. Like, I mean, literally, you do you binge? And I think it's that's the same mentality that we're dealing with as adults, right? But lately, so when I was pregnant, I craved, um, oh gosh, what's the peanut butter cereal? Peanut butter um, crunch? No, P- Captain Crunch? Yeah, Captain Pe- Crunch. Yeah, that- Is that the orange box? Yeah. Okay, uh, or I- Reese's peanut, uh, Reese's. No, it wasn't the Reese's, because it's not like chocolatey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it Captain Crunch. Yeah, Captain good. Crunch, the peanut butter. Yeah. I craved that during pregnancy. So I had it in my pantry all the time. Yeah. 
but how often Cheerios. Do <laughs> really? Oh, like honey, honey, honey nut. Oh, honey nut. I had Josh honey nut honey every nut day too, yeah. when I was pregnant. I swear. That's so funny. So I did the peanut butter crunch, and but they were in my pantry all the time. And because I took away that stigma of that I couldn't have it or I was restricting it, I bought the cereal that I was craving, kept it in my pantry all the time. And I think during the entire time I was pregnant, so nine months, you guys, I think I went through two full boxes. And yeah. that's also my husband taking them too. So he really likes it. We did that too. We but never have cereal right. until I was pregnant. Yeah. But <laughs> even so, pregnant. you're right. I feel like I ate it all the time. Yeah. But realistically, I probably, we probably bought five boxes the entire yeah. time I was pregnant. Which is almost a freaking year, you guys. Like, that's a long yeah, time. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah same to here. To go through it. So why it's do like, we crave that? Yeah. And it's funny. I know. Easy carbs. That's why. Yeah, that's true. Oh, the other one that's on their red yeah. food list yeah. is whole milk. Oh, oh, yeah, good. whole milk. Yeah, like little, little kids should be drinking whole milk. Yes, right. I mean, unless I mean, you have lactose like intolerance or something. I'm, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Is like, unless you have a diet, dairy allergy, like whole milk is great. I actually recommend whole milk. If to you're everyone. ever going to have milk, it should always be whole milk is my recommendation. Same here. So it's like, so, so instead you're going to tell an 11-year-old kid to have skim milk, which is not going to fill them up at all, by the way. Also, what gonna is it going to do their blood sugar? Right. Whole milk versus skim milk. Right. What does that do to your blood sugar? Right. Spikes it. Spikes it, which Spikes is not it. good. Um, I found this on Instagram and there's different, um, all these dietitians are posting about it, yeah. but I just wanted to go through the quick list of 10 things wrong with Kerbo. Yeah. I think we talked about a lot of it. So yeah, the ages at 8 to 17. Oh, eight is so young. Tracking food and exercise, um, will just help create an obsession with food and weight. Um, I mean, yeah, if you take a kid's ability, like an eight year old, if you tell them that they have to work out or they have to be outside or running or whatever for an hour, you know what that's going to do for their desire to play? It's going to turn it into work. So they were playing oh, yeah. and playing tag or they were playing flag football. And now you're telling them you have to play flag, flag football or you have to go outside and kick the soccer ball. It's going to take it from something that was fun and enjoyable to something that's now work and your parents are telling you you have to do. You're not going to want to do it. Exactly. That's all people's instincts. If I tell you you have to drink a certain amount of water, you're like, no, there's no way. But if I don't tell you anything and your body's thirsty, you'll drink enough water for your body. It's insane. Yeah. And just like teaching kids that things are good or bad and it's black and white, that's not a good thing. Um, And then again, we talked about this promotes the idea that confidence is dependent just on body size and weight. Yeah. And then weight is a sole indicator. There's no medical clearance needed for kids to sign up. We didn't really That's talk horrible. about that. Yeah. That's so sad. And then weight loss coaches, they are not required to have any degree in evidence-based dietetics. Ugh. So th- so back to like the one where they don't need medical clearance. So a type 1 diabetic 10-year-old could just log on and sign up. Yeah. That would be so horrible. And then they're being told that like, oh yeah, celery is a great food. Eat celery all the time. And they're a freaking type one diabetic. Mm-hmm. They're going to go into like oh diabetic gosh. coma. Yeah. That's horrible. Terrifying. Yeah. And then this to, again talks about puberty, which we already talked about. Um, yeah. And then it, again, it promotes the idea that parents' happiness and proudness is derived from accomplishments around weight. Yes. This that is a big is one. I and think. shame. Yeah. Oh, I think when you have a kid that a doctor is labeled obese or like you feel like your kid is overweight, you start to like feel like, like we talked, and I mean, Brooke and I did tell you that it is your responsibility to teach your children, but it's also your responsibility to love your kids no matter what, encourage them and make sure that they know that they're important no matter their body size. And that's true of anyone because Brooke and I both believe that there's a set weight point that changes throughout your life, by the way, that your body does best at. And your body will do everything it can to be around that weight. So you can definitely affect it by eating 
way more and gaining weight or way less and controlling it through diet and exercise and weighing less. But your body's set point is in no none of our hands. It's DNA. It's completely like out of our hands. So as a parent, it's your job to support and encourage your kids regardless of what their size is. Mm-hmm. So that that's not where their self-confidence and their worth is coming from is their weight. And if you're... If you're looking at your kid and you feel embarrassed or ashamed because of your kid's weight, that just breaks my heart because there's so much more than that, you know? I know. And that's, that's where I, it just like hurts so much is seeing parents who have kids that are just very different. Like Mm -hmm. even growing up, my brother, um, now he's an MMA fighter and he's massive, (laughs) but growing up, I mean, he was, he graduated high school at probably a hundred pounds soaking wet. I mean, he looked (laughs) Like a skeleton. Yeah, Like, he was totally. tiny. Yeah. And then he got into weightlifting, uh, you know, after high school. But um, I weighed, when we each graduated high school, I probably had 50, 60 pounds on him. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's like, my parents didn't act like I was a terrible kid and he was a good one because he was skinny. Right. And I can't imagine what that would do to me mentally if they were like... I don't know. And Brooke again, I wasn't to lose some weight or well, tell I your brother even, I need to gain weight. Yeah. And I wasn't even like overweight, but had I been overweight or yeah. obese and had my parents treated me as like the bad kid because I was overweight right. and my brother as like the good kid because he was skinny. I just can't imagine what that trauma would do to me now. Right. At mm-hmm. 30. Yeah. Like how yeah. that would carry into it my 30s. for the rest of your life. Yeah. I just, I don't know how you shake that. Yeah. Mentally. So. It takes a lot of work with therapists and dietitians yeah to work on your relationship with food which is so sad but so anyways in conclusion we hate it conclusion we hate turbo (laughs) we're against it yeah and normally we're like pros and cons there's a little bit of pros to each diet this we're like straight up no absolutely no pros no let's teach our kids basic nutrition you know let's teach them that certain foods make us feel good and certain foods you know for different people don't make us feel so good and talk about vitamins and minerals and growing and protein and and all those sorts of things encourage them to try different foods yeah and having a variety in their diet and the best thing you can do for your kid the best thing you can do for your kid is setting a good example Mm -hmm. i mean i cannot tell you if i if you're a diet cycler and you're going on and off diets guess what your kid is going to be too you Mm -hmm. know i mean honestly it's like it's so evident to me when I see parents and kids respond to food the way that they do, your kids take after you. And that's not, that's in everything in life, but you need to be setting a good example because that's who they're going to follow. Even if you're saying one thing to them, if your kid's allowed to eat lunch, but you can, you have to skip it because you had a big dinner last night and, oh, I had too much food last night, so I have to skip meals today. Your kid's going to pick up on that, even if you're feeding your kid today. They're going to mm-hmm. learn, oh, mommy won't eat because she feels, you know, that she's too fat or she's overweight or... Whatever. Well, if mommy Whatever doesn't the reason have is. to, then I don't have to. Yeah. Just like when we say in front of our kids, oh, I was really bad. I ate that piece of pizza last night. Now I need to go run and work it off. Exactly. There are so many things wrong with that statement. And then, like, the kid is learning, oh, I'm bad if I eat the bad food. I'm bad if I eat that red food. Yeah. So I'm bad. Not that that maybe wasn't the best decision for my body right. we're telling ourselves that we're bad yeah. because we did something and that we need to use exercise to work it off or we need to restrict later in the day to work it off and it's like oh my gosh right. these poor kids are seeing this i mean we just need to do better as parents setting examples setting examples and teaching them how to tune into their own body cues and knowing what works for them and what doesn't what makes them feel good and what makes them feel you know sluggish or tired or whatnot and and having them tune in 
and make those own choices for themselves. And that's true of everything our teaching our kids, but especially in diet and, and food and food choices. So yeah. it's sad. It was a sad week. I feel like seeing all this blow up because it really is so emotionally triggering for so many people fighting food, you know, like food control issues right now. But then also for these children to have to fight against us for the rest of their life is really heartbreaking. So yeah. please don't download it. Please. Oh, there's petitions online. We should link to. There's like a petition that already has 90,000 signatures on it. I think I signed one of them. Yeah. I, I, w- I wanted to download it just to um, look into it more. But then I was like, no, I don't want to give them a download. Right. Yeah. So we didn't actually download the app because we didn't want to help them. Yeah. So you can go on. There's like YouTube videos that walk you through it on there that I. And then mm, okay. like I told you, a few dietitians had done it on their stories. So yeah, I'm not going to download it. Yeah. But I'm, like, I'm not helping them. Maybe we'll link to a petition or something that we sign. Yeah, that you guys can sign to take down Kerbo because it really is so unhealthy for uh, all these children. So good intentions, bad uh, follow through. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Thanks. Uh, We'll be back next week with a new episode. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.